I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Should Florida State pull the ripcord on Willie Taggart now, or can they afford to wait and crash the program with him? What do we learn about the Gators and their win at South Carolina? Could Dan Mullen have them all but back in the SEC title game two weeks from now? with a win against Georgia. Will this be Charlie Strong's last win at USF when they take on East Carolina this week ever? And some great national games on hand. we got Wisconsin, Ohio State, Notre Dame, Michigan, and Auburn LSU. And why are fans acting inappropriately to some college band members? We've got all that to discuss with Matt Baker, our college football writer for the Tampa Bay Times, on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with Steve Versnick, hey, uh, folks, uh, you know, we're the only place in the nation that's not, you know, cooling off. And that means that your air conditioning is running all the time. And that means your electric bill is still up there. I know mine is. If you want to save some money, like 90 to 95% off, off your electric bill, listen to me now. May Electric, that's right. They're a locally owned company. May Electric Solar is the safest solar available. They don't use high voltage like many other companies. And May Electric Solar has a 25-year warranty on all equipment and labor. Now, they've been around for 12 years. They've earned a great reputation with their customers and their peers. And there's many other solar companies out there imitating them, trying to use their great name. But remember, May Electric Solar does not use subcontractors, and they do not subcontract for any other company in any way. So everyone knows it has to be May all the way. Let's stop the insanity of these out-of-control electric bills and start saving now. Call May Electric Solar at 727-819-2862. And if you call right now, you can also receive a 30% tax credit through 2019 by changing to solar energy. Call the real May Electric at 727-819-2862. All right, Matt Baker joins us now. And Matt had a, an interesting uh, column story analysis uh, in the paper in the Tampa Bay Times. You can read it on tampabay.com where he basically fires Willie Taggart. No, he didn't fire Willie Taggart. He said, Don't get me in trouble, that, Rick. Don't get me in trouble now. <laughs> Well, I mean, look, you're not you're not the only one that's observing that this thing might end badly. It's and I loved I loved sort of the way you put it, which is, um, you know, can Florida State afford to fire Willie Taggart? We know they owe him 17 million in a buyout, but the bigger question is, can they afford not to? Yeah, and that's what has changed here in the you know really in this season. You know, I, I wrote something over the summer. Um, and we talked about it on mm-hmm. uh, Florida State might not be able to fire him because they would owe him 17 to $18 million, depending on when it was done, for an athletic department that had multi-million dollar deficits the last couple of years. And they were able to kind of fudge that and, and get some accounting and booster f- to, to balance the budget this last year. But the point is they've had financial issues. And if you've had financial issues, that's a lot of money to try and fork up. But the, the calculus around that, Rick, is starting to change. You know, the, I think to some degree the, the Louisiana Monroe debacle where they should have lost at home to a, a bad Sunbelt team that, by the way, lost 52-7 to seven, uh, over the weekend. Um, that was one thing. You know, obviously losing handily to Clemson again was another. But just kind of 
Taggart's thing, I called it coaching malpractice because I think it was against Wake Forest and how he handled the final couple minutes there. That, to me, I, I think there's a growing sentiment in Tallahassee and in and around the program that that might have been the turning point. And, you know, the attendance this year has not been good. The attendance across the country, you know, there have been issues we've talked about. It, I've written about it. But at FSU, it's been bad. You know, they, they've had four crowds of less than 58,000 people over the last 30 years at Florida State. They've all been in the last six home games. You know, the, the, Louis, or yeah, the Louisiana Monroe game was their lowest crowd since 1988. And then two weeks later, they draw, I think it was 6,000 fewer people against Louisville and have their lowest crowd since 1983. And then we'll see what happens after the Wake Forest game to, on Saturday to see the crowd against a, a bad Syracuse team. So all those empty seats are costing Florida State money. And it's not just because of fancier TVs that the stadium experience isn't great. It's not all that. The fact is there's a lot of uh, unhappiness and discontent and apathy in the program because of what has happened on the football field the last couple of years. And that's costing the program money and starting, I think, to change the calculus from maybe FSU can't afford to fire him to can they really afford to keep him at this point, given what they're going to be losing at the gate and in T-shirt sales and everything like that. Yeah, I mean, these these programs, uh, and, and we've seen others suffer this, uh, they're, they're brands. As much as anything, they're, they're little corporations unto themselves, these athletic departments. And, you know, Florida State's brand was pretty high under the Bobby Bowden era and Jimbo Fisher and winning national championships. And then all of a sudden – You've got empty seats in your stadium, and that's the biggest concern is that, you know, yeah, you can absorb a losing season or here or there maybe, um, but you can't afford to whittle away at your brand. And and let's face it, that's what's happening right now. I mean, this is uh, FSU's worst 19-game stretch since 75-76, so the year preceding, mm. preceding Bowden and then Bobby's first year. Um, you add in... The, the end of the Jimbo era where they had to reschedule Louisiana Monroe to make a bowl game. I mean, we're talking about a team that won a national championship and won 29 games in a row not that long ago that, yeah. where their seasons are going to be Independence Bowl, no bowl, and then uh, best case scenario this year is 7-5 and five and maybe the Pinstripe Bowl against, uh, you know, some, some crappy Michigan or some crappy Big Ten team. Like, that's the best case scenario. So, this three-year stretch at Florida State was, you know, would obviously be very rough long-term. And, you know, what I, what I wrote in today's, or, you know, in uh, Wednesday's paper and on a line at TampaBay.com was, like, if, if Florida State, if the power brokers and the people who would find the money to get rid of him, if they know Willie Taggart isn't the answer, then they need to act now. Um, get a head start in terms of finding the new guy. Give that new guy a head start in terms of recruiting to try and salvage What's a nice class right now, a nice recruiting class, but also get everything together as quickly as possible for the early signing period. And I don't know if your mind is pretty much made up. I don't know what you're going to learn the rest of the season, because just look at the next couple games. Now, Syracuse is coming to town on Saturday. Syracuse lost by 43 points to Maryland earlier this year. Miami is after that. Yeah, beating Miami is always good, but Miami just lost to an awful Georgia Tech team at home on Saturday. At Boston College is next. Boston College lost by, I think it was 24 points earlier this year at home to Kansas. And then Mm -hmm. Alabama State before what I would expect to be a a beat down by the Gators and and Gainesville. So that four-game stretch, even if they win, 
even if they win all four of those and make it to seven wins, what, what do you really learn about the program? Do you really think that that's going to tell you that th- this is Willie Taggart's a guy who can win championships, that better days, really good days are coming again? I don't think it does. Um, so again, I'm not saying get rid of them. That's not my call that I'm going to make. That's a line that in my role, I don't cross, but I'm saying if you know that your decision is made, if you know what you need to do, then waiting is only going to prolong the inevitable. Let me play devil's advocate. Here's the reason why you don't do it. Um, first of all, you got to name an interim coach, right? Mm -hmm. And let's just say for argument's sake, and I don't know what would be this guy, but let's say it's Jim Levitt. And there are still four, what, four or five games remaining in the season? Yep. And let's say Jim Levitt goes out there and Eureka, all of a sudden these guys are inspired. They're flying around. They, they win all these games. Maybe they even upset Florida or, or you know, put up a really good fight. Uh, and there's this big momentum both inside the locker room and maybe even outside to some corners. Hey, we found our coach. But that's not really the guy when you went into it thinking – this is why we're firing Willie Taggart. We're doing it because he's not getting the job done. But we want, we're, we want, we're a national program. We want maybe somebody even bigger <clears> than Jim Levitt, <throat> you know? So do you, do you then create a situation where potentially, you know, the interim kind of works against you? Or you're like, look, cool, if he wins four or five games, we'll put him in the mix. First of all, that would be a great problem to have, right? Um, <laughs> I know. <laughs> it sounded so, good, though. <clears throat> no, there, there's, there's lots of reasons why you would not want to get rid of him starting with 18 17 18 million dollars sure and that whittles that whittles down probably at the end of the season right it is right now i think if it were today it'd be about 18 and then closer Mm -hmm. to the end of the season it'd be be around 17 so oh um, so it's not that it's not a million monk friends i mean you can find that in our couch i think right yeah of course i can um so But but if you I mean if you keep it down to next year next year it'd be about twelve point seven five if you give him twenty twenty um, mm. so it still would be a lot of money no matter when it's done but money is going to be a factor the the other yeah. really uh, I guess one other reason why you would not want to get rid of him you'd have two transitional recruiting classes in a three year span that's not good mm. um, so you know, Willie was able to, to, to his credit, salvage a fine recruiting class his first year, although the second recruiting class was subpar. So mm. the two and three years would not be good for the long-term um, direction of the program. But the really weird dynamic here, Rick, that I haven't wrapped my head around is this. The, with the athletic department the way it is, there's kind of a, a triumvirate that's in charge. You know, you've got the school president, yeah. John Thrasher, David Coburn, the athletic director, and Andy Miller, the head honcho of, of the Seminole Boosters. All three of them are going to be gone in the next year or two. They're, they're, they're getting to that age. They've all said it publicly. In the next couple of years, they're all going to retire and ride off into the sunset. So I don't know what that means. Would it be nice to have an, an interim coach this year and maybe give them a shot next year too, just to make things stable before they all go their separate ways and let the new guys make the long-term decision? Do they care so much about their legacy and leaving this program this athletic department in a good place that they say, you know what, this isn't working. We need to try and fix it and get the right guy in now. So this isn't a stain in our final years. Um, or is there another option in there too? I, I don't know. Um, but that's a complicating factor in this that I haven't wrapped my head around yet. Yeah. And I mean, I also, and, and look, they, they swung and missed bit and miss big with Willie Taggart, but do you want the same people that hired him hiring your next coach? I mean, 
Do you have that's confidence another, that they're, they're going to yeah. get it right? That's another really good question. Um, the, the AD is different. It was Stan Wilcox who hired him. Like I said, now it's, it's David Coburn. But, you know, uh, David Coburn is an extremely respected man. You know, he spent decades in, in politics working with the legislature. But he's a budget guy. His job is to mm. fix the budget and get the Seminole Athletic Department in a good financial situation because they haven't been. Um, so, uh, again, he's, he's a smart dude, but he hasn't made a decision like this before. That's not to say he can't do it, but it means that he hasn't, and there's going to be some complicating factors with that. How heavily do they lean on the boosters? Do they need to get a, a search firm in, involved in this specific case, and what does that entail, and, and and that sort of thing? So yeah, it's just a there's a lot going on here, Rick, about Willie's tenure, and uh, I didn't expect to be having this conversation at this kind of a serious level at this point, but I think the way things have gone this year, I mean. They've, they've blown five fourth-quarter leads. They, they, they did hang on to win a couple of them. But again, they should have probably lost to, to Louisiana Monroe. Um, even the wins they do have, like Louisville's fine but not great. NC State's not very good. Um, then you, you collapse at Virginia and you collapse at Wake Forest with a backup quarterback based on, again, coaching malpractice there in the last couple minutes with icing your own beleaguered kicker before he attempts a 50-yard game-winning field goal in the rain. Everything about that sentence is crazy, but that's what happened, and that's why the tone has shifted, and that's why we're having a conversation that I thought was going to be relegated to message boards this time of year. Yeah, it's been a mess up there at Florida State, and I wonder, too, uh, just what happens to Willie Taggart. I mean, he had a meteoric rise. This would be a just as quickly of a descent. Is he back in the American uh, Conference, or does he fall even further than that? So th- there's a bunch of possibilities. I don't know if he needs to go to the Nick Saban school of bounce back coaches for a year <laughs> and be an analyst. Um, there you go. The, the most interesting situation I can come up with, this is complete speculation, Just but humor me. I, I, I think one of his old programs isn't happy, isn't thrilled with the coach that they have. That's true. What if USF were to get rid of Charlie? Would Willie be interested? Would USF be interested? Get the band back together? I mean, typically, those type of situations don't really work well. I mean, we know what's happening with, with UConn and Randy Edsel 2.0, but this is this would be different. And again, I don't know what that was happening. I, I don't think any of those conversations have taken place, but it would be very, very interesting. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's very interesting for us to, to sit here and just uh, spitball about. Well, I mean, if Quentin Flowers, as Steve said to me last night, has any eligibility left, I know he's going to be playing in Raymond James, but I'm pretty sure that's with the XFL, then it would make sense. I'm I'm not sure what Charlie would be without him, though. So, or uh, um, Willie would be without Willie, him. I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah. Well, let me let me well, just, let me just let me just chime in on that real quickly. You're 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 not wrong, but I've had so many people the last couple of days about oh. With, with Willie without Quentin Flowers, nobody's talking about him. And just like Jim, what would Jimbo have done without Jameis? Well, yeah, you take away all-time great quarterbacks at their schools from any coach, and they're not as good. What, 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 what would Texas have been without Vince Young and Colt McCoy? Well, yeah, you take the great quarterback away from anybody, they're not as good. Um, so I do give Willie credit for recruiting him, getting him away from other schools that wanted them. And then figuring out eventually what he needed to do and putting him in position to have the best run in school history. So I'm going to defend Willie on that one. 
No, you're right. I was being a little flippant there, but um, I know, I know. but 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 I do. You know, and it was a it was a critical time. Um, I believe they were three and four, and I, I've said told this story a million times. Where Tom and I were talking to him every Tuesday, and we didn't we were, we were at wondering if we needed to ask him about it, his job security, and he was making quarterback change. And we know the rest is history. I mean, what what yep. they did together um, was was unprecedented for USF and. And he deserves all the credit for that. It led to a, a job at Oregon that he kept for one year, and then now, now here he is. So we'll see if he's able to uh, to sort of make a job-saving run or, or just what, what happens these next few weeks at uh, Florida State. Florida, meanwhile, uh, boy, what a gritty win uh, at South Carolina. I, I wasn't sure, you know, how they would sort of rebound um, from the LSU game. South Carolina, of course, had upset Georgia. Um, so they had a lot of confidence coming in. It was a, it was a tough first half. Um, but I felt like Florida just kind of wore them down a little bit. And then you have Will Muschamp complaining about officiating, which I, I didn't see. I, I thought the officiating, I, I think he had some legitimate gripes, but I also he did think on the, the, on the pick play. Yeah. 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 And I also think the officiating was not particularly good on, on either side. So I, I think, I think Florida might've gotten a couple extra calls and certainly the, the calls that or calls or no calls that went Florida's ways ended up being uh, on big plays. But I think, you know, Mullen was also uh, very unhappy at one point too. So and didn't quite even out, but it was rough on all sides. But um, to the larger mm-hmm. point, yeah, I mean, another nice gritty win for Florida. Um, South Carolina is not a great team by any means, but they're at least in that decent, pretty good range. And to go and win in that road environment, in the rain and everything, um, and again, we got to remember too. Florida has still has been without a couple of their best players. You know, Jabari yeah. Zuniga and John Grenard, their two defensive ends, are both really, really good. Um, so you take those away, and obviously that changes how their defense looks. And Kadarius Tony ha- has still been out with a, with an arm issue um, for, for Florida. Their you know electric kind of do it all receiver. Um, the good news for the Gators is they're heading into Georgia. They expect all three of them to be back. Now we'll see once you know practice gets going really uh, up again next week whether that's going to still be the case. But um, so Florida uh, coming off a nice win, uh, enjoying the open date now to get healthy before the uh, the kind of one game SEC East deciding factor in Jacksonville. Will one or both those guys be back uh, against Georgia? And and it looks like. You know, this is this is kind of a one-game season for them, is it not? I mean, there's nothing left on the schedule that they can't handle and probably wouldn't. So, I mean, they win this game, um, they're going to play in the SEC championship, probably against Alabama or LSU. Yeah, almost certainly. The, at Mizzou on November 16th, I mean, Missouri's had two head-scratching losses. It, it opener against Wyoming, and then uh, it was Vandy the other night. But Mizzou's still pretty good, and at you know, in Columbia, that's not a gimme. Um, I still think Florida wins that, but that's not a guarantee. But yeah, I mean, larger, yes, it's Florida, Georgia will almost certainly decide the East, like I think all of us saw coming a year ago. Um, we'll talk more about sure. that next week, but I want to know if, mm-hmm. if Florida has closed the gap just because Georgia has recruited at such a high level. But the, the Bulldogs, as talented as they are, they have weaknesses and they have some schematic holes in. Dan Mullen with extra time to prepare. I'm, I'm sure he won't admit it, but he's been thinking about this game for a while. So I want to see what kind of wrinkles he can come up with uh, to, to have Florida, you know, a chance to to win the East in his second year. It'd be an amazing turnaround for Dan Mullen and Kirby Smart's had some big game gaffes uh, that he's he's caused at times as well. So 
that'll be something to look forward to next week. USF is at East Carolina. We mentioned uh, I don't know how many more games are on the schedule. I watched the game against Navy. Navy's a tough team to play. Um, you're not going to get a whole lot of possessions. But that offensive line is getting their quarterback hit and hit often. Um, now it looks like they may be without him. So uh, can they beat East Carolina with uh, maybe their walk-on quarterback? Can they? Yes. I- I- Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I don't know if they will, just because I mean, USF is a better program. They're a better team. But you suddenly go down to your third-string quarterback, and that's going to leave a mark, um, especially mm-hmm. with an offensive line that has really struggled all year. Now We'll, we'll see if maybe Jordan Cronkite, um, they're, they're very good running back, can get something going and bail him out. And this would be a time for him to, to carry the ball and really shoulder the, the burden for that offense. And, and we'll see what, what the defense can do, and maybe they can get some picks or something like that to try and help them. Um, the good thing is East Carolina is not a good team. Um, ECU mm-hmm. is at this time, you know, with the program the way it is, it's not a particularly hostile road environment or anything like that. So USF definitely has a chance. But when you look at the schedule coming up, Temple, Cincy, Memphis, UCF, this this might be this might be the last chance to to get a win realistically. Um, so we'll, we'll mm-hmm. see what what Charlie and those guys are able to do uh, in a. And it, I mean, it's it's a pivotal game for, for, for Charlie, because if you lose that, again, looking at the rest of the schedule, it's hard to see more wins. And given the way that slide would happen, his job would be in serious, serious jeopardy. Yeah, I got to believe so. I got to believe there's going to be potentially a move there. OK, um, before we move on to the national games, I just wanted to ask you um, a lot of optimism at the beginning of the year. Manny Diaz taking over at Miami. They've almost had as many debacles as Florida State at times, uh, including last week. So what's going on with the Miami program right now? Yeah, Miami is very interesting. You're, you're not wrong. Um, the difference between Miami and Florida State is Manny Diaz is in his first year as a first-time head coach. So you know when mm-hmm. that happens, there's going to be some growing pains. Willie has been a head coach for a while, and he's in year two. That's the fundamental mm-hmm. difference there. But uh, you're, you're exactly right. Miami has has not done well in close games. Looking at this, you know, okay, four point loss to Florida. They had chances to win that, but could not do anything offensively. Even when the Gators' defense tried to give them the game the last couple minutes, <laughs> that's right. At UNC was a three point loss where Miami, you know, with UNC converted on like fourth and seventeen or something ridiculous like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, seven point loss to Virginia Tech. Um, Miami was gifted an extra second to try and tie the game and couldn't get it done there. And then the, the seven-point overtime loss to Georgia Tech. Again, there's little things that could have changed it. If Miami had actually tackled properly on one of the big Georgia Tech runs, they would have potentially won it. Or if the, their really good tight end is a, a third of a yard that way instead of this way on, on the fourth down play, it's a different story. But the fact is those things didn't happen. And the fact is Miami has lost four games by a score. Um, I guess if you want to be glass half full, they're at least being competitive. 
But this mm. is a program in a bad ACC and a bad, uh, <laughs> just a, a bad, weird ACC Coastal that is going to have to fight for bowl eligibility. And that's obviously not a good sign for uh, things the way things have started for Manny Diaz in year one. Yeah, it's been a tough start for him for sure. All right, let's talk about some of the national games. I'm not happy to uh, mention uh, the Wisconsin Badgers after uh, what they did at Illinois, but they are at Ohio State. You know what? Ohio State, to me, uh, with their quarterback, the way he's playing, might be as strong a team as there is in the nation right now. But can Wisconsin maybe somewhat mad about their, uh, you know, their letdown at Illinois? Their defense is still pretty good. Can they give these guys a tough battle? And is there any chance of, of upsetting them in Columbus? So are, are you saying, Rick, that you're uh, very disappointed in uh, the, the Lovey Dis- win the other day? Well, is that what you're saying? Discouraged. Discouraged. I go back to disappointed. Uh, good times. Good times. Um, can, can Wisconsin win? Yeah, it could happen. We live in a world in which there are a lot of possibilities. Do I think it'll yeah, that's happen? A bad, that's a bad question by me. I mean, you can say anything can happen, right? It's college football. Will okay, it happen? Here, how, how's this? No, I don't think it will. Um, Wisconsin, you know, they, they, their offense, their quarterback isn't great. Um, we know they're a running team, and if you can get them to be very one-dimensional and shut down a, a Taylor or contain him pretty well, then you're going to be in good shape. Ohio State, I think so far this season, they've been the most complete team in the country. I mean, they Mm -hmm. are dominating everybody, offensively, defensively, special teams, you name it. Um, In some ways, I was very more impressed than I thought I would be with the way they destroyed my alma mater, uh, Northwestern, 52-3 to on Friday night. Just because it's a weird game, a Friday night in Evanston, those weird things could happen in a situation like that, but they just kick the crap out of them. And that tells me, you know, that this, this team is just uh, on another level. You know, there's, there's a handful of teams really in the mix um, to win it all. I, I don't know that any of them are better than Ohio state right now. So Wisconsin's going to be a good test because that defense is really good, but Ohio state is a much more complete team with a lot more talent across the board. So I, I think the Buckeyes win there and get their most impressive win of the season. I would agree with you. Uh, Notre Dame is at Michigan. The Harbaugh's came one dropped pass away from tying that game a week ago, but the schedule does not get uh, easier for them from here on out. Um, can they bounce? What, what do you think of Notre Dame going into Michigan and the big house and getting a win? I think their chances are pretty good. I mean, the, the, the big house is a, is a crazy environment, especially I think it's a, a night game. Yeah. Where it's, it's going to be insane, but I don't trust Jim Harbaugh in, in these type of situations. Um, what is he one in ten against top ten teams? I think is the statistic. And Notre it's Dame uh, look, yeah. looks like Notre Dame's got a, a number eight next to them, which I think makes them in the top ten, right? So it's terrible. I, I think it's a situation where you know Michigan is is fine kicking the crap out of Rutgers and Maryland, but once they start playing the really good teams, they haven't figured out how to get it done. And until Harbaugh shows me, convinces me, he can do that. He can. You know, there were some steps in the right direction against Penn State because they were competitive and, like you said, had had chances to win it. And not for an explosive play here or there, maybe they do. But I haven't seen enough to where I would trust Harbaugh to win a situation like that, even at home against a team that, you know, with Brian Kelly at Notre Dame, you know, is going to be really well coached and put in the right positions. You know, we heard about things like lifetime contracts for Harbaugh, and I'm a big Jim Harbaugh fan. 
in terms of his coaching. I don't know what's gone on at Michigan. I don't like what he's done. He obviously has not won um, against teams like you just mentioned, ranked teams like he needs to, and he hadn't beaten Ohio State. So all that being said, um, the argument I've heard is, well, you know, he's, he's he made Michigan relevant again. He's one of the better coaches they've ever had. He's a Michigan guy. Um, you know, who are they going to find that's better? That sort of thing. Do you think that at the end of the year that um, he's in trouble at, at Michigan? I don't think you can fire a guy who's 43 and 16. Um, you know, they, they haven't you know, said, what, three 10-win seasons in, in his five years. Um, I don't think you can push that guy out. 10 wins, even for Michigan, is not a birthright. It's not. You know, I, mm-hmm. I go back to when Georgia got rid of Mark Rick for Kirby Smart. Obviously, now that looks like a good move, even though at this point in his tenure, Kirby Smart looks a lot like Mark Rick. But you have to be really, really sure who you're getting is better um, because the odds of it happening are not great. The, the margin between winning and losing at these programs is so small. And mm-hmm. it's a little fluke bounce here or there. You know, the, what was the... Um, so the Cardiel Jones uh, sneak a couple of years ago um, where, where there's a spot where it's really close on whether he, the Ohio State quarterback got in on fourth down. They ruled that he did, and Ohio State wins right. versus Michigan winning. If that go again, a half yard one way or the other, we're talk, it's a different conversation. So I, I don't think you can force him out, but I think if Michigan really wants to be back and wants to get in the national championship mix, I don't know if the Harbaugh is going to be the guy. So I think at a certain point, it's best for both sides if they say, you know what, maybe there's an NFL job that you should go and try and take because it's you're not going to be the guy to get us to the promised land. Um, it's un- it's unfortunate, I think, because there is no patience today in college football um, that doesn't allow a Dabo Sweeney or something like that to develop the way he did um, when we, he was kind of rising up at Clemson. But that's where things are, and Harbaugh's paid a lot of money, and he's not paid a lot of money to, to go to the Outback Bowl. He's paid a lot of money to win championships, and he's not doing it yet. The Outback Bowl would be a, a probably a likely landing spot or maybe even a fortunate one for them at this point. Auburn uh, plays LSU. I know what LSU is about. They're an exceptional team with an exceptional quarterback who's playing as well as anybody in the country right now. I'm not sure what Auburn is just yet. Um they have the propensity, I guess, to to upset a big team like this, but I don't I don't think they're trending that way right now. I don't think it's the right matchup for them, Rick. I mean, Auburn's strength is along the lines, particularly the the the, the D line. I mean, Derek Brown, uh, their their monster D tackle, he is a dude. Um, he was just you know I, I don't when I'm covering a game in the press box, I don't often see defensive tackles flash just because that's not what sure. I need to be watching but he flashed a lot um I don't know how well that matches up against LSU though because of how much they throw the ball and how well they throw the ball you know uh, on the outside so I don't know that this is the right matchup for Auburn to win can they win again yes absolutely because Auburn's a really good team maybe there's a situation where you know some fumbles and, and turnover luck and what have you but yeah I don't I like LSU here because I I, I think Auburn's a very good team. I just don't think this is the right matchup for Auburn to, to, to be able to knock off LSU. I think they'll honestly have a better chance against Bama. You know, when Joe Burrow transferred from Ohio State, I mean, did people think that he could uh, reach this level? Well, he was highly regarded. 
I mean, he was a, a yeah. blue chip guy, uh, Mr. Football in, in the state of Ohio. Um, mm-hmm. And I think Urban Urban Meyer deserves credit for how he handled this, too, um, because mm-hmm. it could have been a situation where he kept Joe, uh, Joe Burrow around, tried to the quarterback competition from the spring into the summer and, and, and fall camp. But he decided early on, no, that's not what we're going to do. You know, we know Dwayne Haskins is our guy. So if Joe wants to 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 get, then hey, thank you, go on and, and good luck elsewhere. Um, and that that type of stuff doesn't always happen. And it obviously it, it worked out pretty well for Ohio State. Um, they, they did well with 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 Haskins and uh, who made himself a lot of money. And obviously they've got Justin Fields now and being the best team in the country. Uh, and it's working well for Joe Burrow and uh, LSU. Yeah, Fields has been outstanding. Let me ask you. You mentioned him. Urban Meyer, um, you know, is on another one of his uh, I want to spend more time with my family until I can find a better job campaigns. I've heard LSU, I'm sorry, I've heard USC, you know, you hear a lot of these different, uh, he'd coach the Cowboys, he's openly campaigned for that with Jason Garrett still there. Does Urban Meyer coach next season and where do you think the most likely place that would be? Yes, USC. Okay. Maybe the Cowboys situation materializes. I don't know. You know the NFL stuff better than I do. And I don't know how NFL coaches don't all, you know, college coaches don't always work out at the next level. So I, again, it's, it's a, it's a possibility. I, I but I think USC is the one. Um, I, I think he gets the gang back together as best he can and, and tries to tries one more go out on the West coast where he has a collect, you know, access to a ton of talent and, the clear best program, not only in his conference, but in that whole region of the country. So, yeah, I, I think, you know, I think that's what happens. Let me ask you, there's one other place, one other place I think that he would like maybe even more than USC. What about Notre Dame? I, I, that's the name that I've had conversations with people about. Um, but that job has to open, right? Like, it, 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 does Brian Kelly go to the NFL at this point? I don't think so. So there, See, yeah, and, and I and I think I think the opposite. I think he wants to go to the NFL in the worst way. Um, I can't explain it. You know, I think he feels like he's done everything he can at Notre Dame, uh, and that you know maybe his clock's ticking a little louder in his head. Um, but I what, like you know this whole like even last year when the Bucks were going through this search committee, all of a sudden I'm getting calls from columnists in Chicago saying right. they're hearing that you know Kelly you know, wants to be interviewed, you know what I mean? So I don't know, like that, that to me though, that's the one other special place for Urban Meyer, right? Notre Dame. Yeah. Yeah. I and mean, he was an assistant there. So that would, that's one that makes sense. But again, that job has to open. So yeah, maybe yeah, you're right. Maybe yeah. Brian Kelly would still be interested in an NFL job if, if that became well, a the possibility. The timing probably won't be good though. Yeah. The timing won't be good because he'll, you know, those NFL jobs open much later than the college football jobs are filled. So correct. Um, and, but is there another college job that would interest him? Um, sure. you know, he, he's yeah. been at Notre Dame for 10 years. Notre Dame is mm. such a pressure cooker with such a weird alumni and fan base. Like, you age in dog years in Notre Dame. So <laughs> t- 10 years is an eternity. And I would I would see why he might want to go somewhere else if a, a blue blood, uh, really good job opened. And I can tell you from my emails that there's a, some, some fans uh, in, the, in this state that would love him uh, – coaching in Tallahassee next year. Again, I'm not saying that's going oh, wow. to happen, um, mm. but I think it would have to be a, a job of Florida State or better at the college level 
or, or the right one in the NFL that would get him to, to move on and, and open that up for the Urban to Notre Dame, let him complete his journey there. We can end the uh, any notion that Urban Meyer would coach at Florida State or that Florida State would even entertain that, right? Yeah, uh, their AD David Coburn told the Tallahassee Democrat, "No, even if even if Coach Hager got hit by a bus tomorrow, we would not hire <laughs> Urban Meyer, nor would we hire Steve Spurrier." I was in extremely skeptical of that beforehand because I remember Urban Meyer in a Gator polo watching the uh, watching the Miami game in person. So yeah. I, I think Urban wants to be in, in the Florida's Ring of Honor at some point. I think that's an honor that would mean an absolute lot to him, and I think he knows that he, it's going to be a, a it's going to be a, a journey for him to rehab his image to the people in Gainesville. And I think he's working on that, so it's it's, it's going to take time. But uh, doing the, the tomahawk chop would would, <laughs> would not <laughs> allow that to happen. That's exactly right. All right, Matt, you have a story I didn't know this about your history, but apparently you're a musician uh, at heart, and um, I, you have a story coming up about. Some disturbing things happening to marching bands across the country. Uh, a musician might might be a stretch, but I played uh, saxophone for about 10 years. I, I marched in that's, high school. That's it. That's and, it, man. That's music. Yeah, I wasn't any good. Um, I was loud. That, that was what I could do. I could play really loud. Um, so, But I marched in high school. I marched a couple years at Northwestern. So there, there have been a couple incidents that have caught my eye here um, this year. Uh, Florida had an incident. Their their marching band uh, director was assaulted at the Miami game, and mm. uh, there was an incident with the the uh, Iowa band at the Iowa Iowa State game, and that got me thinking. Just what what's going on here? Why are fans being yeah. not only rude? Like I, I remember being at uh, covering or being at a uh, Florida. Or, um, bleh, bleh, bleh. I remember being at Northwestern Michigan in the marching band, and I remember being on the field getting heckled by Wolverine fans. I remember mm-hmm. like really. You're, you're, you're going to heckle a marching band, really? That's that's what you want to do, okay? <laughs> but it's one thing to it's one thing to yell and, and heckle a, a piccolo player. It's another thing to get violent, and there have been a couple instances of, of violence. So I, I've called a handful of, of marching band directors across the country to figure out is this like a new thing? And it's not. These things have been happening for years. And then what are they doing about it? Um, and th- I mean, this is something that they're obviously concerned about. Um, I'll give you a concrete example. Uh, o- Oklahoma and Texas, that they play a pretty big uh, game every year in the Cotton Bowl, where there's a lot of fans on each side. They marched out of the Cotton Bowl together, side by side, the OU and the Texas marching band. And some of that is a sol- solidarity. We've got your back, you've got you've got ours. And some of that is a, just to protect themselves. Like if a drunk Texas fan is angry about the game, he's not going to go trying to start something with the Oklahoma marching band with the Texas marching band right next to it. He's going to be much more likely to see those guys not as the enemy, but just as kids, just like the Texas ones. So um, that's a story that I've been kind of cooking around for a while. And now that I have a little bit of a lighter week, uh, excited to be writing that one later in the Tampa Bay Times and uh, TampaBay.com. It'll be a good story. We'll look forward to it on TampaBay.com. He's Matt Baker. He joins us every week. He writes college football and college sports for the Tampa Bay Times, and he uh, is looking forward to his holiday card from Willie Taggart, I'm sure, uh, in the mail soon. (laughs) But go and read his story. It's fascinating today about Florida State's um, timing, uh, if they're going to make a move on Willie Taggart better sooner than later. Thanks, Matt. We appreciate it. All right. You got it. Thanks, Rick. All right, some great stuff from Matt Baker. Make sure you check him out on TampaBay.com. As I said, 
Um, we've got a lot going on, of course, as we head into the weekend, but tomorrow we'll get you ready for the Bucks titans game. Very important game as they sit here at 2-4. and four. Bruce Arians has basically said they can't afford to lose uh, this football game and have much of a chance uh, for the rest of the year as far as making the playoffs. So we'll see uh, what else they have to say. We'll have a chance to talk to both coordinators, Byron Leftwich and Todd Bowles, determine what changes, if any, they've made uh, over the bye week. And, folks, like I mentioned before, um, if, if your electric bill is still way high like mine is because it's been hot as heck out there, call my friends at May Electric Solar. Uh, they're the safest solar available. Uh, they've been in the area for years. And uh, if you call right now, you can also receive a 30% tax credit for changing to solar energy through 2019. Call the real May Electric Solar at 727-819-2862. For Steve Versnick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 